Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stories of Light. I'm so happy to be here with you today. I'm your host, Elizabeth Dylan Bergovici, and I'm delighted to interview um, a beautiful, wonderful soul, uh, Bernadette Wolf. Bernadette, welcome. I'm so happy to be here with you. Great to be here. So yes, for, for those of you who have not met Bernadette before, I'm actually going to read her bio before we go into our interview. And this is going to be really magical. Today, we're talking about all things Camelot and Merlin and fairies. I'm, I'm personally really excited. Um, so let me um, just read the bio before we like go into the interview. So for those of you who are not familiar with Bernadette, um, Bernadette Wolf would love to lead you on magical adventures through her online courses and guided shamanic journeys. So you can connect with your fairy allies, Celtic magical traditions, and the luminaries of Arthurian lore, many of whom are fairies. As an artist and writer, Bernadette thrives on creativity and exploration of all things magical and mystical. She is also a Reiki master, intuitive energy healer, EFT practitioner, and plant-based nutrition coach. In her spare time, Bernadette enjoys gardening, playing with her two little rescue dogs, and spending time with her two delightful grandsons. Oh my God. I am so excited to have you here. I mean, one thing that I, I just resonate uh, right off the top, I mean, I'm also a writer, um, but I feel that there's there aren't a lot of people who are both you know, creative and spiritual. And so I feel like you're really someone who it seems you have a lot of talent. I know you also have a lot of paintings that you, you do as well. So it seems that you are really bridging so many different realms. So I'm just very, very excited to dive deeply with you, especially into the Arthurian legends. So um, I'll just like get started. So um, in the Arthurian legends, I know everyone here knows that there are so many magical places and I usually focus on Avalon, but I know that you also lead sacred journeys to Camelot. So can you share a little about this uh, magical place and its significance? Yeah. Um, the way I see it, Avalon is the part of the fairy realm that's the most easily accessible by humans, at least humans in the Western world. And Camelot is a co-creation between humans and the fairies. So it's um, it's kind of more in the human realm, even though it doesn't exist anymore in the, in the physical world. But um, it's, that's really uh, interesting. I've never heard that before because because I know you lead guided journeys there. So I, I love what you're saying that Avalon is the most accessible, like, you know, for us to go on, like, you know, journeys to fairy. But I never thought of Camelot as like a collaboration between human and fairy. And like you said, it's more human. I'm just curious. Um, I feel like, you know, one of the big creators of Camelot would have been like Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Can you talk about like kind of like the values of Camelot or like what what you feel like when you engage with the energy, like the values that are part of that creation? Yeah, it, it feels to me like it was kind of a, preview of the new earth reality that Ooh. the fairies were trying to plant that seed in human consciousness so it's it has all the factors like you know harmony and peace and um, abundance for all prosperity equally shared and um, people helping each other cooperation and you know all the things that we look to as you know the factors that would be there in the new earth reality I love that. So it's almost like you're saying like the new earth was seeded, like, like almost like, I guess it's about 1500 years ago, but like, I just, yeah. I love that. It's almost like we've had this dream in our heart of the new earth. And it's just like, we've been, you know, I think that's part of why we've told these legends throughout the ages is that every time we tell stories of Camelot, we are seeding this vision of the new earth. So yeah. like, that is so beautiful. I also want to say that I love your background. I was like, it's so beautiful. Uh, I definitely feel like Lord of the Rings. Oh, it is from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Okay. I was feeling like an, you know, like I was feeling like a fairy vibe, but no, it's an elf vibe. I also, yes, I definitely, I know you also work with elves. So I'm going to ask you more about that. Um, 
actually, no, my next question, this is my next question has to do with elves. So um, I have here, I know you lead a special school uh, called the Fay Hollow School of Magic. Can you tell us about your earliest experiences connecting with elves, fairies, and the other worlds? My early experience. Um, <clears throat> any anyone that comes to you that you feel called. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always been fascinated by that sort of thing, even when I was a child. But I guess reading the Lord of the Rings probably really brought it home as a a possible reality, even though it's a fiction story. It just kind of triggered a memory of like I know this realm. You know, <laughs> this, <laughs> there's something more to it than just a made-up story and I started you know exploring more and more about it and taking workshops um I took workshops with RJ Stewart and Tom Cohen and uh, they both led us on shamanic journeys to actually meet with the the beings of these realms and the more that I took these sort of journeys the more real it felt to me I love that I mean I admire RJ Stewart immensely Oh, but I, but I just love that. I just, I also love your getting into this through Lord of the Rings. And I feel like that was part of Tolkien's, I know that like that wasn't his plan when he, you know, set out to write the story. I think it just came through him to write, but no, I've definitely heard people who really feel that like he was channeling kind of like ancient histories between like fairies and humans. And so I think that like what you're saying, like really rings true that there is, there's a great remembrance when we read like, Tolkien's work. And I'm almost just curious, uh, you know, I know that like the, the Lord of the Rings is vast. Do you have like a favorite part? And, and I know there are so many beautiful, you know, parts of that, you know, that tale, but I'm just curious because I know that you said this was part of your awakening, you know, to really connecting with the world of fairies. So I'm just curious um, if you have a part that stands out as your favorite. Definitely the parts with the elves of Lothlorien, that just felt like home to me you know? oh I love that I love that living in the trees and yeah just everything about it that makes sense especially your background it's yes there's a tree. <laughs> right. um so yes yeah, so thank you for that um I was I was gonna we're continuing on this I'm just I'm so excited I don't know if you can tell I'm just so like <laughs> I love this topic so much so I'm wondering if you can share more about the fairies and their connection to the land of Avalon at least the way that you know you you feel that they connect with Avalon well from what I've learned from teachers like Gareth Knight and Wendy Berg and various teachers like that um the most of the women that show up in the Arthurian legends are fairies. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it seems like they come from Avalon to influence the human world and to initiate the knights into the fairy mysteries. And there's this back and forth connection between Avalon and Camelot and all the players in the Arthurian legends. And, you know, I've thought about it a lot and I, came to the realization, at least it seems this way to me, that um, you know the, the fairies, these particular fairies, some fairies don't want to have anything to do with humans, but these ones seem to have a mission of connecting with humans and kind of bringing us to a higher level of consciousness. Yeah, so, I, I definitely feel that when you're talking. You're right. I know there are some fairies they are like the unsealy fairies. They they, don't, they yeah. want nothing to do with us. Right. Um. But no. But I I really appreciate that. Like I I've never really thought of it before that the fairies of Avalon, it really does seem like that's part of their divine purpose is to bridge the worlds, and mm -hmm. that I almost feel like the way you're describing Avalon, it just seems. I don't want to call it like a spiritual hub, but it's like an otherworldly hub where it's like the worlds can come together. So it yeah. seems like the beings that are drawn there, it, you know, it is like their mission is to connect across the species, across the dimensions. So I don't know. I just, I, I feel like when you were talking earlier about Camelot being a place of, of harmony and everyone getting along, it just seems like that is like the sacred wisdom uh, that, I feel like in yesteryear, we we knew um, it was like as natural as breathing, how to be in harmony and how to get along, not just like with other human beings, but with other 
other types of beings like the fae. So I just, I, I just am very, um, I'm just like very excited that like, cause I feel like as we're having this conversation, I feel like we're bridging that remembrance mm-hmm. and deepening, deepening that connection for people to remember the fairies. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious in your opinion, how can we bring the magic of the elven and fairy realm into our everyday lives? I think it's a lot about just being conscious and, remembering it. I've just been uh, working on a a new workshop idea about um, connecting through apples and that, you know, the legends of the apple branch and the apple, the magical apples that came from the fairy realm. And um, I've just been thinking about connecting with apple trees and apples and how that can be a reminder of the fairy realm for us because it seems like I mean Avalon is a, the Isle of Apples <laughs> and um, <clears throat> in the stories a fairy shows up there's several different stories that where a fairy either woman or a man shows up with a either an apple or an apple branch or a silver branch they call it that has apple blossoms on it and they give it to the person as an invitation or a key to enter the fairy realm so um, I just think you could use the apples as a sort of a talisman to kind of remind yourself of the fairy realm and bring it into your daily life. I love that because I think that people hear like Avalon is the Isle of Apples, but they don't really know what to do with it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that it people think of it as like an island of like, you know, fertility and, you know, fertility and abundance. But I just, I love this, this idea of the apple, something just like very three-dimensional that we can see and hold as a way of connecting with the other world. So I love that as an answer. Um, I'm also um, curious because I know that you do fairy Reiki. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, so for, for you to do fairy Reiki, are you know you are you healing um, human beings with the the beautiful the beautiful energy of the fairies, or are you actually healing the fairies themselves? Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Fairy Reiki was um, given to Violet Piel, I think her last name is, um, as a way for humans to tap into the fairy realm, fairy energy to heal humans, um, and it's. It's sort of similar to Yusui Reiki, but it's um, the symbols of fairy raker are connected with the elements. So, um, whereas Yusui Reiki symbols are more just about the energy, the different like the physical and emotional energy. Um, <clears throat> but in fairy Reiki, they have the elements connected with the earth, air, fire, and water. And when you're sending the energy, it's kind of connects you in with those elemental beings and healing that way. So it's more connected with the earth energies. Mm, that sounds, that's really interesting. I'm just, I would also love to hear more. I mean, I know you can't give away like many of like the secrets. Um, people have to be like initiated into fairy Reiki, but I think it's really interesting because I'm also Reiki master. So I I know about like the different symbols, uh, but I, I think it's really interesting what you're describing for fairy Reiki as it being very connected to the elements. Cause I know like whenever I do magical ritual, I call in the elements mm-hmm. and I feel like I think it's interesting because I would almost think that the fairies are so magical, they don't need to call in like all the elements. But but now that I'm talking to you, it seems like they are one with the elements. I'm just curious if you can uh, share a little bit more about the fairy connection to the different elements. Well, they live in the etheric realm where it's not a physical realm as ours is, it's more rarefied, but it still has the same elements of earth, air, fire, and water, but mm-hmm. they're just more on the etheric level. So when they use them, they're bringing things into balance. They all have to be in balance to create health. So like if you've got too much fire, you know, you're going to burn out, or if you have too much water, you can get, you know, kind of <laughs> bogged down in emotion or that sort of thing. So when you balance them all, then you can create harmony in your body and your soul 
Yeah. I love that. I'm someone who I'm very, I have like a lot of fire energy. I'm a Leo. So I'm always trying to pair it like with water to try and calm down. But no, I love that. I, I really love the way you describe that. Like, because they're etheric beings, like they have these elements really on the inner planes and they're just like a more etheric form of like fire or more etheric form of water. Because I had never really thought of that before. So that is really, really cool. Um, I, I feel like I'm like zipping through my questions, but I'm just like so excited to get to all of them. But I know, um, you know, from your website that you have a very special bond with Guinevere. So I'm wondering if you can like tell the audience like more about the way that you see Guinevere, as well as the most important lessons that you've learned from your time with her. Yeah, Guinevere is an interesting character. You know, I've been, I've always been fascinated with the Arthurian legends and I never paid that much attention to Guinevere. She always seemed sort of wimpy, you know. <laughs> like she, was, she was always getting abducted or being in beauty contests and things like that. <clears throat> she just didn't seem to have a lot of substance like some of the other characters. But um, I read, I don't know, maybe it was a year or two ago, I read Wendy Berg's books about the red tree, white tree in the Guinevere book, um, where she talks about who Guinevere really is and I realized that she incarnated from the fairy realm into the human world to marry Arthur and be the queen of Camelot in order to bring that whole energy of Avalon into the human world and once I realized that it was like I just had a whole lot more respect for her <laughs> like you know because that's quite a mission to take on and uh, so I just feel like she's she's got a lot of um, I don't know a lot of just her example gives us a lot of substance to you know as an example to follow. Yeah, I don't know quite how to put it into words, but no, 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 but I I think like it's almost like a I feel like almost like a role model. Yeah. It's, it's it's in that sense of like on the surface it's it I think because we have that kind of idea in our culture when we we think of Guinevere it's just like she's like this embodiment of beauty and Venus um a kind of energy but it's like is there substance behind that and so I think what's been so amazing with like the work that was done by Wendy Berg is this deeper understanding of her greater soul mission and it's really seeing that that beauty she brought to the world wasn't just like human beauty it's the beauty of the other world and right. and and it's like and it's also the power and i feel like the magnetism she exuded really you know really was like you said she was bridging avalon into mm -hmm. our reality so i definitely feel like that was a very sacred mission and i agree that changed like i I had a like, kind of similar experience to you because growing up, I watched, you know, I lot, watched a lot of King Arthur movies. And again, like the way they paint Guinevere is that she's just like very fickle. Like she doesn't really have yeah. much substance to her. Yeah. And that's why I felt like it was really liberating to actually yeah. read the work of Wendy Berg and to really understand the story in a brand new way. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the way she started out, but if you look at the evolution of the Arthurian myths, they, um, you know, the the women like Morgan Le Fay and Guinevere, they start out as being these very powerful healers and strong women. And as the myths evolve, you know, the each version of them, especially when the Christian influence started taking over, they were, you know, made smaller and smaller and even you know, like whenever suddenly Lancelot appears out of nowhere and, <laughs> and, you know, she has an affair with him, you know, she's not faithful to Arthur anymore. But in the earlier legends, Lancelot didn't even exist, you know, so they, like, they've added these layers to make them seem less and less, you know, honorable as, as the legends evolved. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like that's like an, it's obviously like an agenda because mm -hmm. it really is to poison their good name and the honor. And that's what's so crazy mm -hmm. because the Arthurian legends are all about honor. So right. I think it's amazing that even like well-meaning writers like, you know, Thomas Mallory, like they, I feel like they got so um, drawn into, like, I feel like it's like the allure and the romance 
uh, it's like that they they kind of almost missed the original point of right. the of these divine figures, which is really like, I really see it as like, kind of like seeding like a heaven on earth reality, which really is taking like the sacred principles of like harmony, divine truth, and really bringing them through into humanity. And mm -hmm. I see it as a very, very noble thing that the, you know, the, these historic figures were doing, bringing this to the world. And then I feel like the the writers who told the stories um, ever after kind of got a little carried away. Um, and and I know I know they're just trying to tell a good story, but at the same time, I I totally resonate with what you're saying that the stories transformed over the years, and it seems like we lost touch with those powerful female figures in the yeah. way they were originally originally rendered in the in the first tales and the first legends. Right. Um, so speaking of um, stories, so I'm just curious, like, do you have a favorite story, you know, either from the Arthurian legends um, or Celtic lore? And I just, I would just love to know what you love so much about this particular story. Well, I, I really like the story. Um, anything to do with Merlin always <laughs> is uh, fascinating to me. And I really like the story of the way Merlin, are, you know, orchestrated uh, Arthur's birth and, you know, tricked <laughs> his mother Egraine into thinking that, uh, what's his name? The oh, Uth Arthur, oh Uther, Arthur, Uther Pendragon was, was yes. her husband, you know, <laughs> Even, you know, put him in a disguise so she'd think he was her husband. And, and uh, it's kind of like he had this whole plan to, you know, basically create Arthur as the the king and then bring Guinevere into the picture and you know establish Camelot through them so I just find that fascinating that uh, you know Merlin had this whole thing worked out you know <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah no I there's actually a later question that I have but I know that you have a very um you've you've I've seen on your website and you know talking to you I know you have a personal relationship with Merlin can you talk about like I guess like the work that you've done connecting with Merlin and just like, I think like the message, the wisdom that Merlin has for us in today's world. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've always found him really interesting. I, I didn't have a personal connection with him until I did a workshop with RJ Stewart on Merlin, where we actually, you know, did a shamanic journey to meet him. And um, he gave me this, sort of a, like a topaz, like jewel. And told me that that was a, like a, a seed that I was supposed to let it grow into something. I wasn't quite sure what it was for, but um, I've realized since then that it's all about the work I'm doing is kind of bringing this, the mission of Merlin forward into the world, which is to establish the new earth reality, basically to, to wake up humans and to, get humans to work with the fairy realm to create a better reality for humanity. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just everywhere I see him appear and it, his relationship with Nimue is also really fascinating. Um, in the stories that also evolved so that Nimue became more and more of a, you know, a trickster and it was, you know, out to get Merlin, where she started out as being his, you know, companion and kind of his uh, consort. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely, I definitely agree with everything you're saying, because again, like I've, I've, I've definitely, I've talked about this before, but like, there really, I feel was like an agenda against the women in the Arthurian literature. <laughs> it's like, they really start out as like these beacons of light and feminine magic. And it was like, oh no, we can't have these women right. be like <laughs> and so it's interesting because usually in the legends like I feel like Merlin became the only one with the power when in mm -hmm. like if the earliest legends like we know like you know Morgan Le Fay was queen of Avalon we know that Nimue also had you know her own kind of magic so it's just very interesting like I, I think that Merlin the way that, you know, I really connect with him I mean I feel like he is the embodiment of that wizard energy you know he's just and so I think it has a different feel to me than like the ladies of the lake or like, you know, queen of Avalon. And mm -hmm. so 
I'm wondering, like, because I know you've done workshops, like how does that wizard energy, like, how does that feel to you? You said like you've connected with him, like on the inner planes, um, in different workshops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he feels, um, I mean, he's, he has a sense of humor, but he also feels very, uh, grounded. Like his energy is almost comes from the earth or something. Like he's just got this mm-hmm. really grounded, strong energy that and it also seems like if there's this connection with dragons that he has, um, he just feels very wise and perceptive and like he knows what's going on and he and he's <laughs> working to make it all work out for everybody. Um, I like that the idea of he's behind the scenes, like the same way you described him, like with the birth of Arthur, he's yeah. like, I'm behind the scenes, bringing harmony back to the world. So I really love that. I also like the sense of him as very grounded. And like, I do definitely feel that he has, has that connection to the dragon. So I'm glad you said mm. that. Um, speaking of, because again, like, I know, like, I feel like Merlin is all about magic. And mm-hmm. so when I was like getting ready for this interview, I was checking out your website and I know that you actually do quite a lot with magic. And so I was wondering, like, I know you also, it's funny, you do work with magic and you do work with law of attraction. I was wondering if you could talk about how law of attraction is related to magic. Well, the way I see it, magic can't exist without law of attraction. I mean, <laughs> it's, um, I mean, I feel like magic is a way of working with your subconscious mind. It's a way of communicating with symbols and rituals and all the ways that the subconscious mind understands, um, you know, rhyme and rhythm and pictures and all that. Um, magic takes those things and and puts them into a, a practice that actually communicates with the subconscious mind. And that's the thing that holds most people back when they're trying to use law of attraction because, you know, you're, you can consciously want anything, <laughs> but if your subconscious mind is not there, you're not going to get it because the subconscious mind is so much more powerful than the conscious mind. So if you use, you know, the magical means of communicating with your subconscious mind, then you can get it on board with what you want consciously and that will help you achieve what you want. I love that. That is really cool. I've never heard that before. Like I, cause I, I know that like in high magical rituals, like people do a lot of work with symbols. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I feel like what you're describing is really kind of using like, you know, like these kind of magical symbols. Um, it's almost like powering them to do this kind of sacred work on the, on the unconscious mind. I really love that because I think a lot of people feel like almost like a victim sometimes to, to their subconscious. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I want this thing. And they don't know how to break through. So I love that. It's like, again, that's why it's magic. It's like, cause it it is that kind of power that's, you know, actually like kind of reacquainting you with like your divinity, with the wholeness. Like, so you, you can get completely on board with what you're creating. So I really, um, I love that. And on your website, I know you talk about high magic. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the purpose of that. Ma- you kind of said that you've already just said the purpose of magic really is to get the subconscious on board. Um, but I'm wondering if you can talk about like more deeply about the purpose of magic and high magic compared to everyday practical magic. Well, the way I see it, <clears throat> you know, everyday practical magic is just kind of like using basically using magic to communicate with your subconscious mind to get what you want and, you know, (laughs) change things in your life or, you know, make your life more harmonious. But high magic is more of a spiritual path, more of a, you know, it's not a religion, but it's a, it's a spiritual path of discovery of who you really are and the amount of expansive powerful presence that you have that most people are not aware of and I don't think any of us are truly aware of how expansive and powerful we are but um, the more we work with high magic the more we can discover that wider aspect of ourselves that's connected with everything that knows everything that's you know part of everything that was such a beautiful answer thank you I mean 
I really love that because I think when you're in like a high magical like ritual, you have to connect with the like you connect with all the forces that be, and you really have to come into your own power. So I really love that because in that moment when we're doing like high magic, we become the wizard. So like, I just, I love the way you put that. And I love how you said it's like just coming into, almost like coming into concert um, with everything that is and all the different forces of the universe. So I really love that you said that. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when we are born into this world, we're kind of taught to be small, taught that, you know, we only have so much power, very little, <laughs> and we're, we're uh, you know, expected to kind of fit into the whole matrix reality and play along with the game, and the magic is a way of seeing beyond that, you know, kind of escaping the matrix and seeing that there's a whole reality beyond that that we can tap into and bring into our daily lives. Yeah, you know, I, I really love that because I think that a lot of times, you know, when I was starting out with magic, I was really kind of using like my personal will. And I was like, I will this, I would like this to happen. And I feel like the more that you kind of practice, the more it really is about like aligning your personal will with divine will. And so it really is coming into that like full, you know, embodiment of divinity and that's right. why it's interesting because I think that like a lot of times people first approach magic, they'll be like, this doesn't work or like, yeah. you know, like, and they'll have like not great results with it. Um, yeah. but I feel like what you're describing, it's really coming from such a deep place within us. Mm -hmm. I think, and that's how we generate, like, I think that's how we generate these kind of big changes in the world that, that are very, you know, I feel like almost like a contradiction of what we're taught when we're really young about like, you don't have a lot of power, you can't make a big difference. And I really feel like what you, the way I'm, I'm feeling your, your, uh, your point is almost like magic is about us reclaiming the power that is our birthright. It really feels like a magic is a reclamation of power just based on the yeah. beautiful description you gave. And the funny thing is that the more you learn how to you know manifest what you want the less you care about changing things you know it's yes like, yes i know it's like oh everything's already perfect i'm already, already manifesting what i want yeah <laughs> you know, no, because i think no 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 i i really i i feel that when you're talking because i think that it almost goes back to what we were saying earlier with the the fairy reiki where it's all about coming into balance and also merlin also is about coming into yeah. balance and so I think when you live your life by these kinds of principles of Avalon and Camelot, like you're actually just like kind of seeding harmony wherever you go. So like that almost becomes the law by which you create your own reality. Right. So that's why you're right. That's why you, then you don't need to go into these like high magic or rituals because you're just being that in the world and like divine order is just, it has to exist wherever you go. Mm. So I love that. So um, I have, um, I have more questions, but um, I wanted to say like over the years as you know, you are someone who's like very deeply connected to the fairy realms and the Arthurian myths. I'm sure you've accumulated a lot of wisdom. Uh, is there a particular, les a particular lesson or piece of wisdom that has come back to you again and again? I guess it would be, um... But the more you appreciate, the more things will expand. The things you appreciate will expand. So the like the more I focus on appreciating my connection with the fairy realm, the more it expands, and the more I discover a deeper relationship with it. Um, and it's true of everything in life, you know, the more you appreciate people in your life, the more harmonious relationships you'll have with them, and the more you appreciate your your abundance and prosperity, the more that will show up in your life. So um yeah, that's that's kind of like my main practice is looking for things to appreciate. Yeah, that was a beautiful answer. You know, definitely I definitely felt that because I think so many people say like, oh, I have a gratitude practice. And sometimes like they're really into it. And other times it's kind of like forced gratitude. But I, but I always felt like that gratitude and appreciation are a little bit different from each other. Mm -hmm. And I, and it's funny because on the surface, they mm -hmm. like the same, but I really feel like they have a very different frequency. 
And I really, I love what you're saying about like appreciating something because it really is, I think it's such a different energy of like, just kind of really almost in that moment, just honoring what that thing is. And just, I just, I, I don't even know even how to, how to put, you know, a definition for the word appreciate. Cause I think it really comes from the heart. Mm-hmm. I really feel like when you appreciate something, you, you really just extend love from your heart. And it's just something that I, I can see that as very magical being a lesson, like from the fairy realm. And I can see why that would expand your, like you said, like when, the more you appreciated the fairy realm, the more that it just opened up to you. Yeah. So I think that's also just like, I think you just described, it's like another law of creation. Just, mm-hmm. I feel like, so I'm calling it like this, like Bernadette's law, the law of appreciation. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. I, think like, I guess the invitation for everyone listening is like, again, like what you want to see expand in your life to, to really make a, you know, a daily practice of appreciating it. That mm. just sounds so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I think gratitude has an energy of something coming from somewhere else, like, like thanking someone else or thanking the universe or whatever. Like it's, it's like it's outside of you and you're thanking it or thanking someone for it. But appreciation is more just like, it's all you and you're appreciating the reflection of whatever you're putting out there. I know it's a, it's a subtle difference, but I think it's. Yeah, no, I think it's an important one too. No, I just think, no, it's so funny because I was someone who I, I always had a little bit of an issue with gratitude. Now I'm much better at it, but it was so funny because when I was growing up, I was taught, like, I always would say like, thank you. Like if I got like a gift, like for, mm-hmm. for Christmas or my birthday, I, I was, my parents, it was a big thing. Say thank you for everything. Even if you don't really like it, you have to say thank you. And, but it's like one of those things where I was thankful, but like gratitude, I, like you're saying, it's almost like it comes from a place like bigger than you. Like it's, Mm -hmm. and so when I first was engaging as an adult with the energy of gratitude, it was almost foreign to me, even though my whole childhood, I had been in the energy of thankfulness, but the energy of gratitude was like a different frequency. And so I feel like you know, we're having this conversation. I feel like appreciation is also another nuanced frequency. Mm-hmm. And I just love like, you know, when you say appreciation, because I can imagine all the different ways that this could play out. Like you could be at the grocery store and instead of being like, oh no, I only have like 30 minutes to grab all these things. You could be mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I appreciate this bounty. Yeah. I appreciate all of the apples all the apples that I can get. And now I can have these beautiful connections to the fairy realm because you've told us that this is a talisman that we can use. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, I really, I love that. I think that is such sacred wisdom. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I have a, a very similar follow-up question. So it might be the same answer, but I was going to ask like, you know, what are the most important things you've learned from your time working with like fairies and like elves, like the most magical lessons they have taught you, but it seems like it might be the same thing, this appreciation. Yeah, I, in a way, but um, I think also just noticing more of the the way that um, that they are present in the world, even though you know they're invisible to people most of the time. They're they're weaving their energies into everything around us, and especially the nature spirits are, you know, just being aware of how that you know the plant beings are making the plants grow and the. The gnomes are under there working on the roots and the, you know, the, the flower fairies are making the flowers grow and just, um, I just become more and more aware of how all these beings are woven into nature and are, are making it all manifest from the templates in the fairy realm. That is so beautiful. I, I, I love that, especially because we can go out in our garden and we just see like, oh, here's a tree. Oh, here's a flower. Mm-hmm. And like you, what you're describing is the inner workings, the things that are happening on the inner planes that just because we don't see it in like most of the time in our modern world, it's because we haven't really attuned our senses to perceive them. Doesn't mean that they're not still there and all of their magic and all of their glory, really creating everything that we see in our reality. So right. I think 
That is really powerful. And it just kind of brings me back to the beginning of our conversation. We're talking about Camelot as this like bridge between our world and the fairy world, like to really like, I feel like to really serve as a place for us to be in harmony. And I really feel like that is the true state. Like that's what life is supposed to be. It's like, we, we actually aren't meant to be separate. Like we, I feel like we are meant to be connected. I feel like that's part of the fabric of both of our realities. So, so I really love that lesson. Um, trying to see what other questions I have for you. Oh, I, I have a beautiful question about your artwork. Cause I know we opened, you know, today saying that you were an artist. And so I know that you paint beautiful works of art full of fairies and other mystical beings. Curiously about your journey as an artist. Like when did you um, first start painting? Well, I, I always drew ever since I was really little, um, mostly with crayons. <laughs> and then, um, it wasn't until I was in high school that I started doing painting. I never really got into it till I was in college, though. Um, so it was kind of a gradual evolution from drawing to painting and sculpture and things like that. And um, yeah, once I started painting in college, I kind of started developing the style that I use where it's lots of kind of luminous layers over each other. Um, and yeah, that sort of evolved into more and more ethereal, you know, sort of images. Yeah, I wish we could share your paintings with everyone here. They'll have to look them up on your website, but you have beautiful, like you have very mystical paintings. And that's why I think it's really cool because it seems like, you know, like spirit gave you that gift. You know, you are an artist, you're a writer, uh, but it's also like now you get to bring the magic through, through your mm. art. And so, yeah, I would just encourage anyone to, you know, to check out Bernadette's like paintings. They are beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, I have a question about the magic of art, the magic of painting. So I was basically going to ask if you could talk about, you know, the magic contained by a painting, you know, or work of art and why you feel that, you know, visual art is so powerful. Well, like I was saying about, you know, communicating with the subconscious mind and symbols, art is just one of the, the way it's basically magic in itself. It's a, it's a direct communication with the subconscious mind. When we see an image, just goes straight in without, you know, censoring, like, you know, when we hear words, our conscious mind is like, well, I don't believe that, or I do believe that, or whatever, you know, but with art, it just goes straight into your subconscious and communicates in a way that the conscious mind doesn't necessarily understand, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I think, and when I paint, I, I kind of get into an altered state where I'm kind of bringing that energy into whatever I'm painting. So. Yeah, no, but I love that. I just really feel like, to me, I just, I love the idea of like art as magic, you know, oh. art is magic. And it's like, because you said in the very beginning that one of the, you know, one of the most important aspects of magic is really getting the subconscious mind on board with right. what you're here to do and be and create in the world. And so it seems like, I really feel like the art that you're creating and the art that people can create like you said, I, I love that it just goes right to the soul, right to the core of people. Mm -hmm. uh, so I just, I feel like there's so, I mean, especially like there's unlimited possibility of all the different kinds of things that you could paint and create and sculpt. But I just, I just really love the way you describe that. Just, I never really thought of art again, like in that more magical way of just going right to the core of someone, just like, you know, not even having to engage with all those subconscious blocks. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. Um, I definitely want to ask, you know, more about the school that you run, the Fay Hollow School of Magic, but I want to make sure, is there anything else that you'd like to share about your work as an artist or just like the magic of art before we move on to that question? Um, to me, it's just um, like I get these images that come from somewhere, <laughs> maybe from the fairy realm. I'm not sure exactly where they come from. But, um, you know, they, they're sort of like, they sort of pester me until I actually put them on a canvas. So um, it's kind of like my workshops too. It's like, I just get these these little messages bugging me, like, you know, do a workshop about this. You know? <laughs> it's kind of like the same thing with painting. Um, and then 
you know, eventually I just get inspired to make it happen. So, yeah. uh, I love that. No, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like that kind of ping. It's like, you're like, oh, no, it's, it's almost like once you start saying yes, like they request don't stop. Right. Um, but I love that. You know, I, I definitely feel that because I'm not really, I, I'm, you know, I'm a writer, but I'm not a painter by any means. And so I have the utmost admiration and respect for people who like that. I, I, cause I don't really know what the process is like for an artist to get that initial burst of inspiration. So I love that you describe that you just get these images, you know, maybe they're from, you know, your soul, maybe they're from the fairy realm, but they just like have to come through. They have to be born yeah. into the world through you. So that is extraordinary. That's also, I feel like it's own kind of magic. Yeah, so, definitely. Definitely. So I would love to hear more about the school you run. Um, I know it's the Faye Hallow School of Magic. So, you know, I know you teach, you know, classes about, you know, Guinevere, Merlin. Can you tell us more about the work that you do at the School of Magic? Yeah, originally I created a, a year-long course that basically covers the basics of magic from the Celtic tradition you know, with, you know, how to cast the circle and the work with the elements and, and the fairy hallows, which are um, in the Irish tradition, the Tuatha Dé Danann brought four sacred hallows to the earth, um, which were the, the cauldron of <clears throat> plenty and the stone of destiny and the spear, spear, <laughs> spear of destiny, I think it's called too the sword of truth. Um, and these four symbols are like kind of the, the foundation of the Celtic magical tradition. And they're, they're related to the directions and the elements. And there's actually, they're from four fairy cities in the four directions. And you can take shamanic journeys to go then visit the cities and find out the energies that are contained in them. And um, <clears throat> so that that was kind of the basis that my magic first magic course was built on. And then um, this second one, I, I don't remember if I did Bridget's path or Merlin's path first, but um, I did one on Merlin and one on Bridget and both. The Bridget one is all about energy healing. Mm. And, um, and then the Merlin one is all about... Uh, his work to bring in the new earth reality, working with the fairy realm and how that connects with all the Arthurian legends. So um, those are the, <clears throat> the written courses that they also have shamanic journeys connected with them. But then I started doing live workshops, especially when COVID hit, um, I started doing them online. Um, I, before that, I used to do like a study group at my house in person, but um, <laughs> Can't do that. Couldn't do that during COVID. So I kind of switched to doing Zoom workshops and leading shamanic journeys on all kinds of subjects connected with fairies and Arthurian lore and all the different characters involved. So uh, yeah, that's why I mean I just felt you were a perfect person to interview. Um mm -hmm. So I know that, you know, you have, you know, a free gift for anyone who would like to be more in, you know, your world. I believe your free gift is called the world of wonder. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I did a workshop a while back um, where I led people on journeys to connect with the fairies and to both see what the world of the fairy realm was like and the harmony and the cooperation and the prosperity that was shared with everyone and just to get a sense of what it was like excuse me to be um you know a citizen of the fairy realm and then also um we did a journey for people to look at the world through the eyes of fairies which is really kind of fascinating and fun and um yeah so that's recorded workshop that's available as my free gift that you can go on those journeys with us and connect with the fairies and see how they see the world. That is so wonderful. I love that. And I mean, because I just feel like I can just, I can feel how much you love the fairies. Yeah. Like I, 
I can see that from your background. You know, I, I can tell how much you love them. And so that just sounds like such a beautiful gift, such a beautiful experience for people. So um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm out of questions, but I'm just curious before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or anything else that you feel called to share today? Well, I just, I was reading a uh, email from the Rainbow Round Table radio show. There was an interesting line in it that said, the matrix, the matrix is the matrix, leave it alone. And I started thinking, yeah, that makes sense. We can't really fix the matrix. It's time to leave it behind and move into the new earth reality. And the fairies have been working with us to try and bring that reality which is already happening in their realm to bring that into our world and um, so that that's what I'm all about and I hope everyone will come with me <laughs> yes no, I love that I mean one thing that I think is so powerful about what you just shared is that I think people get like like almost like like very worked up and they're like we have to create this new reality and you're just saying it's like calm down it's okay we already it's already created it's like it's already there the fairies already have this it's online we just have to bridge into it and i really love that so i think that gives everyone an invitation i think to just because i feel like people get i think one of the fairy energies Fairies, I feel like are always saying like for humans to be less serious. That's one of the big messages I've received from them. So yeah. instead of like, you know, all this energy, we're like, we have to go out and like, basically like save the world from the matrix. I think the fairies are just like, no, just relax and be in love and be in joy, you know? Mm-hmm. And that being in that frequency of joy, that's what's going to bridge the world. That's what's going to bring right. on this new earth grid that you're talking about. So I just love that. Yeah, we're at a choice point and then we can choose to stay stuck in the matrix or we can choose to live in the new reality and, and just decide I'm going to live in joy and prosperity and you know, cooperation and you know, all the things that were seemingly and, you know, out of reach. We can just choose them. Yes, I love that so much. Well, thank you so much, Bernadette, for being here. It has been such a joy to connect with you today. And I, I felt the power of the fairies throughout our whole conversation. So I felt like they were very much adding their magic and weaving it in. So thank you for, I really feel like you brought the magic of the fairies to today's conversation. Well, it's been really fun talking to you. 